0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. What a beautiful, beautiful morning, not just outside, but in the sanctuary. It has been wonderful. And I trust for all of you that are joining us online, it's been wonderful for you as well that uh, you have been able to worship with us. God's in the house, and we're grateful for that. We're continuing. If you've been here for any length of time, if you've touched online or you've visited, you've been here in the house over the last few months, we've been making our way through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we've taken a couple of little side journeys, I'll say, to some of the words of Jesus, but we're focusing on Jesus' sayings, his commands to us, his teachings, and how we can apply them in our daily lives. These great, great teachings from 2,000 years ago, can we put them into practice right here in our own lives? And we have found the answer is yes, we can. And as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, it spans three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, just a little reminder of the whole setting. Jesus was in the north of Israel, up near the Sea of Galilee, uh, in this region called Galilee. and that sea, it was really just it's really just a big inland lake, and Jesus was teaching near that sea to what Matthew describes as crowds, crowds, and those would be the everyday citizens in the area. And there's a traditional spot that overlooks the Sea of Galilee. It's called, appropriately, the Mount of Beatitudes, because the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, it begins with what we call the Beatitudes, blessings, blessings, And that's where it said Jesus sat to teach these large crowds of people. People from Galilee and if you read some of the details, the surrounding areas. Some came from as far south as Jerusalem because the word was spreading about this man who was doing miracles and he he was teaching in such a new and wonderful way. And as I've mentioned so many times, it was just regular people. It wasn't these leaders of the religion, the Pharisees that we read about in the Gospels had always challenged Jesus or they confronted him on so many times. And Matthew wrote that the crowds were amazed. They were amazed at the teaching of Jesus because he was bringing new insights. And we've talked about some of these new insights and these new ethics, new ways to interpret the Old Testament law. In the Old Testament, the law was given to Moses, the great leader of Israel, while he was on a mountain. And the mountain was shrouded in a cloud, the cloud of God's glory. And by God's own hand, he wrote the the law on tablets of stone. And it was difficult for the nation to follow these laws. And if you read the Old Testament, you'll read about all the troubles they had following God's law. Here in the New Testament, Jesus sat on a mountain, but it wasn't shrouded. There was no cloud. And he, he spoke to the people in a language they understood. He was clear. And he captivated his audience, explaining and presenting ways to interpret this law they had received so many years ago. And we're like the regular folks, we're like that crowd. And we can take these words of Christ and apply them in our own lives. And we've, we've talked about that. We've been pulling out this application for our lives. Talked about things from this great Sermon on the Mount dealing with anger and lust and vows, making and keeping promises. We, we've talked about not being vengeful, not judging or judging. Which is it? Loving our enemies. Being perfect even. Jesus said, and last week, asking, seeking, knocking. That's where we are in the Sermon on the Mount, which is now chapter seven. We're nearing the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And recall that passage just last week where Jesus speaks about asking and seeking and knocking, and he presents again God as a father. Now, we've touched on this several times because it occurs multiple times in this great sermon. Remember here in Matthew's Gospel, it's the first time that Jesus describes God as a father. And I've said this, it's more than just a figure of speech. There's a reality here that Jesus wants people to grab hold of, and he, he made this Revelation, it wasn't just rhetoric, it was a revelation that we, mere humans, we can be children of God. God is a father. This was this is a big deal. And it was big because Jesus was accused himself of being the son of God. He claimed to be the son of God that was blasphemy. And yet he's saying to the people in this crowd, God's your father he revealed to this the ordinary people you can be children of God too Now it doesn't mean you're going to be divine and you're going to be God no no it's a, it's a relational idea a bond that's different than master and slave which was so common in that era no, this is a family bond relational it's a connection with a God of creation and that's huge so Jesus said things like, why should you love your enemies? He said, you should love your enemies. I guess the implication is the question, why? But he, he gave the answer. If You love your enemies. You pray for those who persecute you. You too will be called children of God. That's, that's really something to think about. And several times in his sermon, he's made this contrast between the evils of the world and this loving father. It's it's an amazing thing to just meditate on. God's a father. We can be his children. When Jesus talked about storing up treasures, that was another example. He said you can't serve both God and money because money money can own you. Money can be a master, and it's not going to be a good master over you. But God, he's this loving father. And then last week, last week we heard the passage where Jesus said, if you have a son, so it's, he's putting this image of a parent in mind, right? If you have a son and he asks for bread, you gonna give him stone? If he asks for fish, will you give him a snake? And Jesus said, no, no. If you being evil, give good gifts to your children, how much more will, here it is again, your father in heaven, how much more will he give to them who ask? Another example of this relational element. Jesus is hitting it time and again through this sermon. And there's a subtle implication though in these words that we heard last week. Subtle implication about this relationship. Jesus said, if you, being evil, give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give? So the implication, there's this contrast between us as humans. Well, we're fallen beings. We've sinned. We've fallen in sin, evil. And that's contrasted to this divine, heavenly father. There's no evil in him. Jesus has been doing this. He's been contrasting the evil of the world, the goodness of God, and here he did it again. You would do good. You would, as a parent, do good toward your child who asks for bread or a fish how much more will your father? And now with that in mind, with with this backdrop in mind, Jesus' very next words are this. And this is Matthew chapter seven, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Beyond your children, they ask for bread, you give it. Not a stone, not a snake instead of a fish. We treat our children well. We treat them as we'd want to be treated. I've heard it many times. I'm a parent too, and I think I've said it a few times. They're going to be taking care of me. I want to take good care of them. Because if I get old and infirm I need somebody to look after me. If I can't take care of myself, I'm looking at my kids. And I treat them the way I'd want to be treated. And Jesus says, keep that attitude, not just because it's this parent-child relation. He said, keep that attitude in everything, everything, and toward everyone, Well, that changes things a little bit. It raises it up a notch. New ethic. And he gave what we call, and it's been dubbed, the golden rule. For hundreds of years, this has been called the golden rule. And it's been stated often this way. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. But Jesus added to it, this sums up the law and the prophets, Remember, God gave the law to Moses while he was up there on that shrouded mountain. And here on the the mountain, Jesus is explaining it. On a different mountain, he's, he's saying, here's the whole law. Here it is. This sums it up. In everything, do to others what you'd have them do to you. It's the height of the law. It's the pinnacle. This is the essence of it all. It, it it's the the epitome of all the law in what we call the golden rule you know, if we are to apply anything at all from the sermon on the mount apply this apply this because the rest will fall into place then jesus is saying this is here it is this sums it up of all the life apps we've covered this embodies the substance of them all. But how can we apply this? How can we apply this, the sum of the law? This is, this is really big. How can we apply? Let's just sort of cut up Jesus' words here a little bit and think first, you're the standard. For to apply this, you are the standard. I know that... May sound a little strange. We talk about the word being the standard, but Jesus said, in everything you do, in everything, what's the standard of conduct for everything we do? What's our standard for our behavior toward others? You. The standard is self. That's you, that's me. What's my desire? What, what, what do I want? If others interact with me, what's my self-interest? Before any acts become our habits and and thus form our character and progressively uh, build and shape who we are, before any action toward another, is our standard what we would desire? Is it ourself? Jesus said, it must be so if we're to apply this, if we're to apply this, this, this axiom of righteousness that he's presented in this, what we call the golden rule. Before we act toward anyone, before we act toward another, who do we see? Do we see them? Or do we see ourselves? Is the standard of our actions toward another person ourselves? Do we see ourselves? And we sort of trade places. See, and others see yourself. We've we've heard it said, you may have said it. I know I've said it. There but for the grace of God go I. Someone cuts me off on the highway or I pass a person who's destitute, doesn't have a job, they have no income. They're asking for help. A son or a daughter goes wayward. Maybe a parent becomes infirmed and needs constant care. A business partner becomes terminally ill. From these trivial situations in life, like someone cut you off, that there's this immediate response. It elicits out of us an, a snap reaction to these other more very serious issues where our response is gonna affect our resources, it's going to affect our schedules, it's going to affect our time deeply. If we could say there but for the grace of God go I, could we say instead there go I? Can we put ourselves in place of that other person And what if I cut someone off? How would I want them to respond? I had a bad reaction right out here in in front of our school, pulling in one day down at the north entrance. And I'm not very proud of it. And my good wife Julie was in the car why did you do that eh, you know, why, am I, why am I barking at this guy why you know and I've got my excuses well you know he almost collided with me head on it, 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 was, the, it was a turn lane incident you know head to head if I'd have done it would I have wanted him barking at me Or saying, oh, hey, sorry, I get it. It was a little mistake. Ah, This is one we fail at. We fail at. I do at least, you know, not putting myself in that other person's place. But what if it were more serious? What if I were the, the one without a home or without income and I asked for help? what would I like the outcome to be? Help or people just walking by? If I were the wayward child or the ailing parent, how would I want to be treated? If I were the business partner suddenly ill, would I want my partner taking advantage of me and pushing me out? See, applying the golden rule here, it's like an equalizer. It's like this great equalizer. If if we truly apply it, it puts me in the place of the other person. So for a moment, just trade places. And I know that's hard to do. In everything, in everything, Jesus said, do to others what you would have them do to you. Now, if that other person is hard, if they cause you pain, if they're a problem, if they're uh, in a problematic place, can you see yourself there? And we put ourselves there. Would you want compassion? If you put yourself there, would you want compassion? Would you need direction? Would you want someone to speak the truth and love and help you and pick you up and help you move out of that place? Or would you want someone to just rage at you and uh, belittle you for your bad decisions? Oh, well, you put yourself in that place. Take advantage of your weakness. See yourself. See yourself as that other person. This is this is where Jesus is, is going here. And respond as if you were responding to yourself. Yeah, and if that other person was in a great place, because we do this too, if that other person was in a great place of blessing and promotion and they're prospering, can we see ourselves there? What would we want? Would we want congratulations and encouragement to stay the course and keep on and continue to do well and and continue in your hard work? Or would we want green envy, someone who resents us for our accomplishments and tells us, oh, you really didn't deserve that. Oh, yeah, oh, you, you didn't really earn that. Then maybe gossip about it. Or can we see ourselves as that other person and respond as if we were responding to ourselves? See, rationally, what Jesus said, it just makes so much sense. It's this great, short, pithy little saying that we can all, quote, do unto others as we'd have them do unto us. But practically applying it, ah, that's a little harder. It's not so straightforward. And of all the things that Jesus taught and asked his followers, to me, this is, this, this is the command that's really the the hardest to keep, because it's everything. As humans, our tendency is to is towards self preservation. It isn't towards self denial. It isn't towards hey, what, uh, how, how could I change this change myself into that person? Instead of do to others what you would have them do to you, we're more inclined to follow this adage: do to others as you expect them to do to you. That's a little more like it. I think that's a little more like our human, our human selves. If it were me that had cut, cut that person off or done something wrong or I was in this problem place, what might I expect? I might expect, I might expect to get insulted. I might expect someone to shake their fist at me or hurt me or ignore me, disregard me. If I were in that great place of promotion, blessing, I might expect resentment and jealousy. So if we expect the hurt, well, I'm hurt first, right? That's human nature. that's, that's just seems to be the way we are. Jesus said, if you being evil, but then do to others as you, as you would have them do to you we do is maybe we expect them and that's often the way we behave i was driving the other day i heard this song i'm not much of a radio person in the car really i'm not i've said that i was just hitting the buttons on my steering wheel and they're just you know it was all just noise clicking along but it hit the country station And sometimes country songs, you know, they just really tell a good story. So I heard a song I'd never heard before. And it seems it's super popular. I checked it out after I heard it. It's only a couple years since it's been released. And I looked at the official music video. It's got over 100 million uh, views on this video. It seems that's pretty popular. Yeah, I wish this sermon gets 100 million views that'd be pretty popular, right? So uh, I, don't, I don't keep up with the pop culture, especially in the country genre. So it was brand new. It was a brand new song to me. Maybe you've heard it. I don't know. There was a, it was a woman's voice singing, and it was all about hope. I hope. I thought, this is a great song. It, it, it was, I just, I wanted to listen to it. I hope you hear a song that makes you sing along and get you thinking about her. I hope you both feel sparks by the end of the drive. I hope you never ever felt more free. Tell your friends you're so happy. And I thought, I wonder who she's singing about. She's singing about her brother, who maybe she just she wants him to find true love. Maybe she's singing about her father. Maybe he lost. Maybe he lost his wife, her mother, and yeah, that'd be a a country kind of song and she's just hoping you know, dad's gonna find that special someone and that song went on I, I hope she's wilder than your wildest dreams I hope she's everything you're ever gonna need and then I hope she cheats like you did on me and that line repeated I hope she cheats like you did on me. And I just, I was let down. I thought, I didn't see that coming. Man, it's kind of like a gut punch. And then the second verse was even worse. I hope you make up and you have your first date over and fall in love and put a rock on her hand. And then I hope she cheats. Like you did on me. Ha. It wasn't a wonderful story. It was one of these somebody done me wrong songs. All about vengeance. And I was hurt. And I hope you've hurt too. And for some of us, you know, if we're hurt that bad, that's how we move into. Uh, relationships that's how we interact with people it's based on this expectation of pain and hurt and frustration and I'm gonna hurt them because they hurt me maybe it's not even them that hurt me I'm gonna hurt them because I think they'll hurt me that's been my experience so it's not gonna be I'll treat them the way I I would want to be treated. No, no, no. I'm going to treat them the way I expect that they'll eventually treat me. And in a sense, I think it makes some people feel good. We'll sing, we'll sing about it. We'll write songs about it. And it's no longer self as the standard for interacting with others. No, it's just being selfish. It's self-gratifying. How, how, how can we beat this? How can we beat this kind of selfishness? How can we defeat it? If we have trouble trading places, putting our making ourselves the standard, then perhaps we should see Jesus instead of seeing ourselves. If we become selfish, see Jesus. I read an article on the golden rule by a Methodist minister he wrote it about 100 years ago his name was Albert Osborne he was co-founder of the American University in Washington DC and he titled it the golden rule is the unselfish use of self and he wrote this about the golden rule in Jesus in the mutual exchange of our own situation with that of another we must carry with us our knowledge and convictions as to the higher, deeper, true needs of men and women, such as we have received from our contact with Jesus Christ. In them, see Christ. Any other interpretation would make the golden rule a nullity. It would rob it of even the semblance of any real altruistic quality and cancel its ethical character. For it would simply command us to make an even exchange of all we are and have for all that the other is and has. In them see Christ. For there is a danger in our resting satisfied with the intellectual symmetry of the rule as a splendid piece of mental mechanism kept for occasional description or exhibition. Thus it would become a cold, idle, glittering object of curiosity. The real usefulness of the golden rule lies in it being enacted into deeds by men and women filled with the love of God shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Spirit through personal faith in and surrender to Jesus Christ. In others, see Christ. See Jesus. In one of the closing chapters of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus nearing his crucifixion, Jesus expresses just that. See Jesus. It's at the end of Matthew 25 very familiar passage jesus said when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels are with him he's going to sit on his throne and all the nations will be gathered before him all the peoples and he's going to separate the people as a shepherd separates sheep from goats he's going to put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left and he's going to say to both groups He's going to say to both groups I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger. Hey, I was naked and I had no clothes. I was sick, I was in prison. And to the sheep, Jesus is going to say, you saw me, you saw me. You fed me and you clothed me and you invited me in when I was a stranger, you helped me when I was sick, you visited me when I was in prison. Now." Come on in. Come on in to your in, eternal inheritance. And the sheep say, what, what are you talking about? When did we see you? Jesus said, whenever you fed or you clothed or you helped another person or visited them, you saw me. Jesus said, whenever you did this to the least, he said, the least of my brothers and sisters. You did that for me. Now to the goats on the left, he said the same thing. I was I was sick and I was in prison, et cetera, all of it. But he, he said to them, depart, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the, devil and his demons you didn't feed me you didn't clothe me you didn't help me or visit me and and they had the same question and I want to read just the last few verses of Matthew 25 they the goats on the left will answer Lord when did we see you when did we see you when did we see you hungry hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you. And he, the king, Jesus said, the king who comes on the throne, then he will reply, truly, I tell you, whenever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. One group saw Jesus in others. The other did not. Jesus expresses this in some very, very sobering lines of Scripture. Eternal fire, eternal punishment versus eternal life. When it comes to action towards others, this golden rule, how would we want to be treated? Let's, let's do more than that, though. Let's do more than see ourselves in the place of another. Let's see Jesus. Let's see Jesus. And that should take it to a whole different plane. should make our reactions wholly different if we truly want to live out the sum of the law, the sum of the law, all of it, if we aim to apply in everything, in everything, do to others what we'd have them do for us. Let's do to others what we would do to Jesus. And we ought to be able to live it out then. Let's think about this. Let's... Think about this, meditate on it as we sit down at the table of the Lord, as we sit down and remember what Christ did for us, what Jesus did for us. These are great words from uh, this man, Albert Osborne. The real usefulness of the golden rule lies that it's being enacted into deeds by men and women filled with the love of God. God. We want to be people that live as we sung earlier. Lead us in your love. Filled with the love of God, shed abroad in the hearts by the Holy Spirit through personal faith in and surrender to Jesus Christ. We've surrendered to him, yet we fail. I fail when I react to that guy coming at me in the turn lane. I fail when I'm not seeing Jesus in others. And before we pray that blessing, it's called the Aaronic blessing, you know you're gonna be on the right. Will you be on the right of the king when he comes in glory. If you don't know for sure, today's the day, today's the day to get that assurance. And if you have any thoughts, questions, even if you're confused about it, don't understand, stick around. Don't walk out. Come on up here. I'd love to talk to you. We have others that would want you on the right. We all want to be on the right. Our king's right. Now let's pray that blessing. Receive it. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give you peace. And may the peace of God that passes all of our understanding. Keep every heart and every mind and every soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.